Ain't he good? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's precious. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that you are faithful, Lord. Even when we're not, God. Holy Spirit, we just invite your presence to do what it needs to be done in here today, Lord. To do what only you can do. Lord, we need you. We thank you for everything. We are a thankful people. You brought us out of the slime and you set us upon the rock of Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in Jesus. And through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on the earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood, which was shed. Papa, we thank you. You gave us the best gift. You gave us Jesus, the faithful one, who was the lamb, but now he's the lion. So thank you for the line of the tribe of Judah, for he has conquered. And we reign and rule with him in the heavens, seated at your right hand in Christ. I'm seeing an airplane. I'm just going to have to say this. I'm seeing, I'm in the cockpit of an airplane, and I am over trees, and things are just going by really, really quick. And even the trees are coming up, uh, the limbs are coming up and kind of smacking the window. And what I'm going to tell you is this. There's a lot of people going through stuff. Just pull up. Pull up. Pull up. And face, face up, face to, your face to Him. Put your face to Him. Put your face to His. 
all that stuff, it, it just seems like it's um, a lot, a lot. But if you just pull up, I think, I don't know if it's called a rudder, or I don't know what it's called in an airplane, but you just got to pull up, pull up, pull up, pull up.
Praise the Lord. We extol the Lord with all our hearts in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Great are your works, O Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are your deeds, O God, and your righteousness endures forever. You cause your wonders to be remembered, O Lord, and gracious and compassionate are you, our great King. You provide food for those who fear you, O God. You remember your covenant forever, O God. You make known to your people the power of your works, giving them the lands of other nations, O God. And the works of your hands are faithful and they are just. And all your precepts, O God, are trustworthy. They are steadfast forever and ever and done in faithfulness and uprightness. You provided redemption for your people, O God, and ordained your covenant forever and ever and holy and awesome is your name forever and ever and ever, my King. The reverence of the Lord is only the very, very beginning of wisdom. 
and all and all and all who follow your precepts, O King, my God, the Redeemer, all of them who follow your precepts have good understanding. And to you belongs eternal praise. May the Lord have the blessing of the reading and the hearing of his precious word. been bought with such a high price. For he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believeth on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. that are made and created in His image after His likeness. But the very breath of God within them, the blood that covers a multitude of every type, shadow, both now and in the past and in the future, that blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. cleanses us, cleanses our conscience, cleanses our spirit, redeems our flesh, our mind, our will, our emotion, everything He provided. He gave a covenant promise to us. He supplied it all. on the calendar to celebrate Father's Day. And I just want to take a moment Sarah inspired <laughs> words that she put on our bulletin today. For today, we are thankful for our biological fathers, our stepfathers, our spiritual fathers, 
Father, and especially our Heavenly Father, whose love surpasses all others. Today, there are many, there are many that have a very hurt view of a father. And sometimes the pain is still deep within inside of us, and we carry it. But our Heavenly Father provided a lamb. He provided His Son to take any of those woundings. There's no abandonment in the Father. There's no orphan. You are His. You are His. So Lord, we just replace The way society views fathers as they have tried to discredit the name of father. They've tried to discredit the head of the family of the father. They've even tried to replace the words of our forefathers who founded this nation. But we, O oh Lord, this day, in the Hebrew year of 5783, and in the calendar year of 2023, we take back, we lay down, we surrender, we take up the name of Father, and we wear it proudly, and we behold it in our hearts, across our foreheads, deep in our spirits. You are Lord over this nation. You are Lord over your people. So right now we just surrender everything that we have. The pain and the displacement that the United States of America has placed upon the name Father. And we ask you, Lord God, to move mightily 
in that holy name of Yeshua who paid the price for us that reconciled God and man through a cross bearing the stripes for all of our sicknesses and all of our diseases and every pain and every agony that we would ever, ever experience in our life. Every pain. He's accompanied. He knows our grief. He knows the pain. He knows the woundings. He knows the hurts. He knows the abandonment. He knows it all. Whether done mentally in our heads, whether done physically to our bodies, Jesus took it all. And he went to hell and he took the keys of death and hell. And he was raised on the third day by his father. And he said, son, come back up here. Be with me forever. And Jesus' promise was true. He sent the Holy Spirit to live and abide and dwell within us. To be upon this whole earth, bringing conviction to men that they might be saved and come back to the Father. The Father Creator God. The Father who loved and wept over them. family here are going to be taking communion. So if you would like to come up and grab the elements, and then once everyone has got the elements, And we'll take it together as a family, as his family. No, it's just, we're just taking the the little, yes, yes, the bread and the wine together. Yes. You're good, good father, to you are, to you are, to you are, and I'm loved by you. Who I am. 
heart. Glory, glory. Good, good father. No mom. Good, good father. To you are. Lori, do you need do you need any communion by you? You got both? Okay. Did you get one of these, Kelly? Communion? He's a good, good father. That's who he is. That's who he is. That's who he is. And I'm loved by him. That's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. That's who he is. That's who he is. And I'm loved by Him. That's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. So, Father, we thank You for the bread. The bread which represents the body of Jesus Christ. For You took it with Your disciples. And you said, this is my body which was broken for you. So right now, just take a moment. And take all the pain and any hurt, any abandonment issues, any unforgiveness, any mental issues that you had with a dad, with a father with a stepfather, with maybe even a spiritual father that wounded you in some way. Just take a moment and talk to our Heavenly Father about that. And then we will break and eat in just a moment. So thank you again for the body of Jesus Christ. And we receive his broken body now. You may take the bread.
this juice, which represents the blood of Jesus Christ. For the DNA is in the blood. That we are His. And every sin is ever forgotten, covered, never to be remembered. We receive it now. We take it now by faith that everything is cleansed, is forgiven, and the healing is being in our bodies now. You may take your cup. Father, we just thank you for these elements, that they remind us as a family that we have each other, O Lord God, but you have us in your loving arms. You have been a good, good father to us, and you will forever be our exceedingly great reward when we come into your presence. both now in the natural and also in the spirit. Thank you again for your love. Thank you, Abba. morning. How's everybody this morning? Wow. Happy Father's Day. I got a uh, Father's Day scripture last night I thought was so significant. Genesis eighteen nineteen. For I have chosen him, talking about Abraham, so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken to him. Wow. That's beautiful. That's powerful. There's so much in that. And of course, we know through Abraham, who is our spiritual father, (laughs) because he was the spiritual father of Jesus, whom we're in. And it's not like the lineage continues from Jesus. And somewhere down there, I became a child. No, I became (laughs) under Father Abraham in Christ, period. But it's significant to think that out of one man came a family. And in this family, the father is 
exhorting his children and his household and the tribes that are under him, different families under him, to fear the Lord. And out of those groups of families came an entire nation. Wow. And so it is with us. I mean, (laughs) the enemy knows this. That's why he decides he's tried so hard to destroy the family. Man, that's the most exciting government there is. You think about that. Man, I remember when I was a kid. Um, you know, right was right and wrong was wrong. And if you were at a neighbor's house and you did wrong as a kid, you got paddled by that neighbor. Because there was a system of judge, justice and righteousness there that everybody recognized. And when you got home, you got another one. <laughs> and so it was. <laughs> but today, we're in a society of so many immature people that are so easily offended. <laughs> and so the parent who isn't doing a parenting job, probably, or there wouldn't be such discipline problems, gets all offended for their child. Well, you're beating up my child. That's violence. No, that's that's love. <laughs> Praise God. So happy Father's Day. Amen. And Father, we say happy Father's Day to you today too. Thank you that in Christ we are sons and daughters of God. We lift up our pastor this morning. I thank you for your grace and your power on his life, and I just, I just pray that uh, heart of father and son would be so open this trip, and there would be such blessing, and there would be such understanding. Hallelujah! And we pray for the nation of Israel today. Praise God that the awareness of Messiah would be in her streets. That the the long-awaited promise is actually now in the past and needs to be caught up with. And the same thing in our nation. Thank you that we are a Christian nation. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Wow. You know, uh, the Lord's been doing some beautiful things here. Lately, there's this undertow about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and it's really, really exciting to me. I was I came into the body of Christ during an era when the baptism of the Holy Spirit was everything. I mean, it's kind of hard from our point of reference today. Even though I can relate all this stuff to you, it's hard to catch the the excitement, enthusiasm for the Word and the Spirit and the <clears throat> the the communion that we had one with another. That was uh, connections of operating in the Spirit. It was amazing. I mean, people could not get enough. I remember going. There was a whole group of us, probably about 15, that uh, after a Wednesday night service, 
we would pick one of our houses and we'd all go over there and we'd, you know, sit around a, a stereo and listen to records and worship God till 12 and 1 o'clock in the morning. Man, can you get enough already? I mean, don't be fanatics. <laughs> But when the presence of God is that real. See, we don't have that corporate environment yet. Each of us may have that internally in us. But what we need to do is develop this corporate environment where the Holy Spirit is home and He is free to reign. Praise God. Praise God. Um, So I want to talk about this baptism in the Holy Spirit this morning because that's where the Spirit of God is going for us. And in particular, I want to discuss tongues. Oh, some, some people, that's a big hindrance, that's a big block, and there's so little understanding. And I will gladly share that. I won't be sharing some things this morning. I've never actually heard anyone else speak. And to half of you, that's going, oh, goody, I'm going to take notes. And the other half, I'm going, what strange doctrine is this going to be? <laughs> I've heard elements of it from different people, but I have had such a fascination with this that I've been studying and meditating on it for years and years and years. So if you turn to Isaiah chapter 28, verse 9 says, To whom would he teach knowledge? And to whom would he interpret the message? Those just weaned from from milk and those taken from the breast? For he says, order or precept or commandment must be upon commandment. And commandment upon commandment and line upon line and line upon line. Here a little and there a little. What we're seeing here is the process of revelation knowledge. And he's adding to us little by little, little by little, here a little, there a little. Oh, there's a precept in the Word of God. Oh, there's a precept. There is a fundamental piece of knowledge that I discovered in the Spirit when that other person was talking the other day. It's all little pieces because none of us have it all. And we all need one another. And we're all the body of His anointing. We're not so much His anointed in the sense that it's us. But we're a part of the body of His anointing. So He's just told us how revelation knowledge works. How it develops in our life. In verse 11, he says, Indeed, he will speak to this people through stammering lips and a foreign tongue. And, of course, that's quoted in 1 Corinthians 14, 21. And we know that that's about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he said unto them, Here is the rest. Give rest to the weary. Here is the rest. Wow. In other words, he's saying, this is the Sabbath. (laughs) Away from all the clamor and the stress and the anxiety and 
all those things of living life on your own bring. Then it says, but they would not listen. And he's talking about two different groups of people here. He's just discussed the first group and the how revelation knowledge works in our minds and hearts. And now he's going to talk about another group. And it says, but they would not listen. But... They would not listen. So the the word of the Lord was unto them. Now this is how the word of the Lord is unto them. Precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. And the first time the Spirit caused me to take notice of that, I went, huh? He just said the same thing. That's because natural knowledge, external knowledge, is built into our life the same way revelation knowledge is. So we have to be careful what kind of information we develop in our life. And the dividing line between these two groups of people is what? Prayer in the Spirit. With other with other tongues and other uh, other languages will I speak to this people. It's a prophecy about the day of Pentecost. It's a prophecy about this new thing that's going to happen. Well, Proverbs says there's nothing new under the sun, but this is an exception. This was something that had not yet been experienced by anyone. And you notice there, it said that they, the second group, may go. I thought that was really significant because with regards to this prayer language, with regards to this Holy Spirit baptism, he said, wait in Jerusalem, wherever your Jerusalem is. Don't go do anything. Don't try to go out there on your own steam. Don't try. I know you know scriptures. I know, you know, you know you're the anointed of God. But don't do this by yourself. You're not equipped yet. Don't go. But here it says that the second group, that they might go, I thought that was significant, and stumble backwards and be broken and snared and taken. Wow, that's kind of sad. Good news is we get to choose which group of people we're in by how we deal with this issue of tongues. It's probably one of the most misunderstood things in the body of Christ. Let's go to Acts 2. We'll go to the day of Pentecost in the New Testament. Acts 2, verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost had had come, they had all gathered together in one place. That's good. 
And suddenly there came from heaven a noise, like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And it's interesting that this noise is an echo. And I get excited about this echo <laughs> because the Holy Spirit in his ministry is now being loosed in the earth in a new capacity. Before he would visit Old Testament people and he had come on them. Now he's going to live in the believer. And it's this this echo, I see it as the heavens going, yeah, the day's come. It's, it's here. Let's go down there. Let's party. Yeah, it's going to be a new revelation. It's going to be a new realization that we're in Christ. Christ is in us, and we have access to the Holy Spirit. So there was an echo, and it was like a violent, rushing wind. Of course, when I read the word violent, I always think about the kingdom of God suffering violent. But the violent, we have to become violent <laughs> to take it by force. But this wind, this ruach, this Holy Spirit symbol can't wait to get into the earth to get into his new home. Wow, I just there's, there's so much in these little words here that just cause this excitement. And it says the whole house was filled where they were studying. And this speaks to us of a corporate anointing. Again, we're part of the body of his anointing. And each of us from the greatest to the least, if there is such a thing, are anointed in Christ. And it's not something you feel. It's not something you see. It's not something you know naturally. So when we say that brother is anointed or that sister is anointed, what we're saying is they have come to realize that anointing lives in them. They have come to a place where they uh, are able to cooperate with anointing. <laughs> That's all it is. Because we set ourselves up sometimes when we go, ooh, that guy has faith, and that girl has faith, and that girl's anointed, and that guy's anointed, and that old man's anointed. No, you're making separate. And we don't see the body as a whole. We don't see ourselves as a unit. You know, I was, <laughs> I was so confounded for so many years about Paul's closings to his, his epistles and different things that he wrote. And he'd talk about, you know, the grace of God be with you and that you have unity and that the bond of peace be with you and all these things. And I would just get confused. I didn't know what he was talking about. I said, Paul, didn't you read up earlier in your message about how each and every one of us have peace with God? How are the anointed? How there is, you know, all these things that you're now praying for. But he wasn't praying for the individual. He was praying for the ecclesia. He was praying for the group, not just to be over here in our chair, doing our thing, being fully aware of God, but to be aware of one another. 
and to be open to receive from one another because we are the body of his anointing. <laughs> Amen. So the heaven is echoing all this. And there's this speaking to of this corporate anointing because this is the first place that people are actually being filled with the Spirit. That means that there's going to be things in the text, small little words that say so much. And to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So there's two tongues here, isn't there? There's what we call tongues of fire, and there's the tongue that you're speaking in or the language that you speak in. God's God's cute like this. I mean, he he can fix the, he can put things together that will astound you. <laughs> that's to me that's really interesting to think about. So these flames of fire, these tongues of fire come upon each individual. And the King James calls them cloven tongues of fire. And this is really interesting. And what this does is this indicates the two functions of tongues. Most of the body of Christ lump everything under the gift of tongues. And then when they read 1 Corinthians 14 and other places in the Word of God, and they don't see things working out the way they think they should because they only believe in the one function, they get all upset. And they say, you're not being biblical. <laughs> well, I want to cause understanding this morning. All right? Because there's two functions of tongues. And the, body, the Bible speaks pretty clearly about it. So, um, we have the corporate anointing, and we have the, the individual anointing. And it's important that you figure out that the Word says, go to the original if you want, <laughs> that they began to speak in tongues. It didn't say the Holy Spirit began to speak in tongues, but it says they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. God, nowhere in any operation of the body of Christ ever usurps our authority and makes us do anything. He just doesn't. He just doesn't take over. Now, it'd be a wonderful place. It'd be a wonderful body of Christ. It'd be a wonderful world if God was so sovereign that he just ruled over everything and did everything by himself. It'd be great. And yet, God is sovereign. And he is absolute. But the complication is we have changed the definition. Religion has changed the definition of sovereignty to mean that nothing ever happens unless God wills it or allows it. 
And the truth is that God gave the earth to man. That is a sovereignty. You realize you have a sovereignty this morning? I'm I'm getting away from stuff here. Anyway, um, God gives us a sovereignty. So he he fixes us up in the fullness of the Spirit in such a way that we can intercede through the power of the Spirit and it doesn't mess up our sovereignty because we do it in the Spirit without understanding. You remember the first time the earth was one language, right? And they got together and started cooking up some plans that God wasn't pleased with. (laughs) I That's wild. God said, man, if we don't stop this, nothing will be impossible to them. They have one understanding. They have one will. They have this agenda. And socialism, communism, still working on that original agenda. They keep getting stopped and they keep trying again. So in the beginning, God came down and divided the tongues in different tongues with divided understandings. And you know how man is. We like things that we like and we won't venture out in faith to things that are different. So everybody started gravitating to everybody else that was speaking their language. Everybody split up in groups and they left. That did that. And in the end, how many of you know we're in the end? God came down and gave even more languages without understanding, except in the Spirit. So, we have the cloven tongues. We have the dual use of those tongues. Uh, there are two facets we'll get into here in a minute. Um, so, these flames of fire, let's talk about a little bit. Uh, to us, who have Gentile backgrounds, <laughs> these flames are just like this really cool thing, man. I mean, it's like a sign and a wonder. And we're kind of excited, and that's that. Yeah, it's just part of the fireworks. We're having a celebration. (laughs) But to the Jewish person there that day, there was this knowledge that that fire was a sign from God that the sacrifice had been received completed, and was adequate so that now he could give the Spirit. I mean, you think about, uh, you think about uh, Mount Carmel, hmm? the God that answers by fire. <laughs> we think about the fire in the tabernacle. God came down and lit that altar himself. And then, oh, the charge is, our responsibility is maintain the fire. And I hear so many prayers about uh, people of God saying, Oh, God, send the fire. I mean, there's fire right in here. And when you let it come in here, <laughs> you can maintain the fire. Praise God. 
The benefits of the sacrifice, actually it's an offering before it's a sacrifice. A sacrifice is what happens to the offering. Jesus was the ultimate offering. In the Hebrew, the korban, the love gift. And in this word, it captures the idea of drawing near. Oh, that's my offering. <laughs> my Jesus. Yeah, amen. Uh, <laughs> wow. So, um, those, that fire was a another attempt to reach the nation. Because anyone with any kind of Jewish understanding would know what fire from heaven meant, what the significance of it was. He was reaching one more time for that Jew that was so steeped in the law. The law, by the way, gives you heart, makes you hard of hearing. You can't hear the Spirit when you're neck deep in the law. I'm surprised that their minds don't go there. Uh, so, as priests, we're responsible for carrying the fire of God. So, in Christ, here's, here's the thing. In Christ, we are baptized in fire. Now, we have to realize that. We have to... To recognize it, we have to work with it. But man, it's there. Will you see flames or not? You're fire baptized. <laughs> That's exciting. Man, I don't know how many uh, scriptures I heard, especially when I was hanging out in the Pentecostal camp, about uh, messages about take um, um, that fire and, and you know, uh, coming to this emotional high to where you were in fire. Well, it's a redemptive act that is a fact regardless of how I feel, regardless how much or little of it I realize. God has done the work. And when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we have a better understanding and we have a better ability to carry that fire. Because what? Priests carry fire. Praise God. So, what the baptism of the Holy Spirit does for us is it takes us from the outer court. How many of you know the outer court? You've never heard me talk about the tabernacle or the temples or anything before. I know that. But the outer court symbolizes our body. It is the way. There's the way, a truth, and a life. So as we progress through, all we know that Jesus is the way. But we're not really hung up on the truth yet. We're not really in the Word. And then we come in, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit ushers us into the holy place. In the outer court, all we see is this blood and all these things about sin. And it is rightfully so. We need to judge our flesh. Amen? But I mean, that's... People who are not baptized in the Spirit, that's all they have. And if you look up seven and a half feet around the perimeter of the outer court, you'll see silver clasps. And that silver 
in typology is about redemption. So redemption is kind of a far off thing if you're in the outer court and you're sin conscious and that's all you can think about is getting oh, <laughs> that phrase sometimes getting getting your forgiveness. See, that's part of the trouble. In the in the denominations we preach over and over and over again, get your sins forgiven. It's all about sin, sin, sin. And that's true. Sin is an obstacle to the new birth. But receiving Christ obliterates that. Then it's about the new birth. Sin has been taken care of by the sacrifice of Christ so we can all come in and be a part of the family of God. So, um, this progression of being baptized in fire and being in the holy place and acting as a priest and wanting to tell others about, oh, listen, <laughs> we all have flesh, amen, but we're not called to the law. We're not called to perfect. We're not even called to be better. We're called to Jesus. We're called to the Spirit. And in the process of doing that, we will get better. We will be holier. It's what's called bearing fruit. But religion wants to train us in ways so we're real just hmm, do this, do that. And the law of that will actually take you farther away from the Spirit, farther away from the Father, farther away from Jesus, than simply saying, His sacrifice is enough. He's qualified me to start living in the kingdom. So, um, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where we'll see these two flames of the fire. And we'll see um, what we need to understand this morning. Because... If we don't understand this, we are not going to progress very far in our spirit-filled walk. Because we'll come under condemnation and some, some brother somewhere who spent all of his Christian life in the outer court, <laughs> who has that far off um, view of redemption. Uh, that's all he knows. He's going to read you the right act. And he's going to say, well, they just passed away. They just passed away. <laughs> the interesting thing about coming into the holy place is that we go from righteousness up here to righteousness as a foundation. Inside the holy place, the golden boards are in a foundation of silver. Wow, isn't that exciting? So no flesh will be justified by the deeds of the law, which is the body, that outer court. All those pins out there are in brass, which is judgment of sin. But we make the transition when we come into the holy place. Man, all of a sudden, our foundation 
is righteousness. We're not reaching for that anymore. We're not searching for that anymore. But we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. So, I share with you my uh, story about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was... Uh, um, really in a hard place <laughs> when I came to Christ. And uh, you know how it is. You just don't have any principles in your life, and things go from bad to worse, you know, and and stay high all the time. And then you kind of come to yourself, and you're hungry, and you go to the refrigerator, and there's nothing in there, so you get high again. And then next time you come around to yourself, you go to the refrigerator and the refrigerator. Uh, things just get worse and worse. <laughs> but uh, one day uh, there's a knock on the door. And this little blonde was there. God knows how to get your attention. And she invited me to a revival and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, um, I ran to the altar, received Christ. Three minutes later, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it was awesome. And I knew it was, and nobody could talk me out of that. I mean, it just, it was amazing. But I did not speak in tongues. I was full and bubbling and ready to go, but I did not speak in tongues. And that was a real hang-up for me. And it's a hang-up for a lot of people. There are many issues about speaking in tongues. And so, my goodness, has the time gotten that far yet? I only got an hour left. Anyway, <laughs> so, uh, to make a long story short, I was at this Baptist church one night, and this guy was preaching pretty good. Man, and my brothers were in the auditorium, and I was just so burdened for my brothers, and I just wanted them to be saved. And and the altar call was getting, man, you know, and I just ran down there, and I was, you know, kind of all worked up about it. And I said, God, I just don't know how to pray. And the next thing I know, I'm speaking in tongues. And that shocked me. And about that time, the pastor was coming over and laid his hands on me, going to get down and pray with me. And I thought, I wonder if he heard that. <laughs> but I didn't know. I didn't know uh, how that happened. I didn't know I was fulfilling, fulfilling Bible. Romans says, when you know not how to pray. Well, that's just what I'd said. I don't know how to pray. Hey, I was a perfect candidate. <laughs> And the fullness came. It was pretty awesome. But, it's, you know, uh, it's been said, and it's true, that baptism of the Holy Spirit is like getting a pair of shoes. When you get the shoes, the tongues come with them. Whether or not you ever pray with them. And we've had some pretty uh, legalistic folks that talk about, <clears throat> oh, man, you're not filled unless you, you have the evidence of speaking in tongues. And, well, you know, I prefer, you know, baptizing the Holy Spirit with the evidence of love. Oh, I think that's a lot huger, bigger priority, I mean. 
But at the same time, tongues are essential. They really are. So uh, I'm running behind here. Let me very quickly says uh, um, Romans 14:2. I mean, First uh, Corinthians 14:2. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak unto God, for no one understands him. But in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. All right. So everyone is pretty familiar with the gift of tongues and everybody when they talk about tongues that's what they talk about is the gift of tongues and why so it's important to separate these two tongues of the fire <laughs> this dual application it's it's so it's so important. It's so essential. Once you learn this, once you know this, it will set you so free. It will just set you so free. Sharon says, sometimes I'm too free. <laughs> I get a little loud. I think I'm being very quiet and that no one can hear me. But I guess, <laughs> I guess that's not true. I get a little excited. But understanding this will will absolutely give you a freedom. So, besides the gift of tongues, which must have an interpretation, which ministers to the body, there is also what I call the expression of tongues or the expression of the Spirit, which is private or semi-private. Because when you're in the midst of other believers, you don't have the restrictions that you might want to embrace if you're in front of a Methodist or something, okay? <laughs> you have a freedom in Christ. And when you realize that um, what you're engaging in is so pure and so connected to the Father. You want to do it all the time. So the, in the Spirit, He speaks mysteries. This is the expression of the Spirit. This is true whether you're just getting up in the morning or you're just going to bed, whether you're in the shower, whether you just went to the bathroom. It's just a good practice I have for years. When I go from one room of my house to the next, the first step into that room is usually with tongues. I'm all by myself. Well, Sharon puts up with me. She knows how I am. It's my way of acknowledging that the Holy Spirit is with me and He's moving with me in life. When I go into work, sometimes it's just in my mind because of other people. I have this habit. And it's a really good habit. Pray always in the Spirit. And pray with all manner of prayer. Verse 3 says, But the one who prophesies speak to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. And that is the gift. That's the gift of tongues. Does everyone have the gift of tongues? No. Elsewhere in the Word, we're told not everyone speaks in tongues. And that is speaking forth in the congregation to edify the congregation. That's, that's essential that we know that. One who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the body. 
Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. It's kind of funny how the denominationalists don't, don't quote that verse right there. <laughs> Greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church or the body of Christ may be edified. So, what's happened here in Corinth is people, because they're very competitive, because they want to be spiritual, because they want to be the top dog, they have taken their expression of the Spirit, which is meant for them, and they're speaking forth in the congregation causing all kinds of chaos and all kinds of mess. And there's no interpretation and no one's edified. Why is there no interpretation? Because the Spirit isn't moving in the gifts right then. So, what we need to understand is that there's such a difference in the very way... That is done. When when I pray in the Spirit for myself, I am yielding to and releasing an inward anointing. That is under my will. You mean I can just will to speak in tongues? <laughs> yes, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's that agreement with God and that decision in your mind that enables you to do that. So that prayer language, that expression of your spirit is up to you. That's exciting. But then it talks about prophecy and tongues and interpretation. That's not under your will. That's not your decision. The gifts move as God wills them to move. One is done through an internal anointing. The other is done through an external anointing when the Spirit comes on you to prophesy or speak out in tongues and, prophet, and interpret. Wow. That's exciting stuff. This is very fundamental. It may not be very exciting, but man, I'll tell you what, if you understand the foundation, you can build your building. Amen. You can edify yourself first. And that word edify is really good because it's 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 related to the word edifice. And when you understand that anointing is both strength and energy and you're applying that to your edifice, <laughs> you're being edified, your very body takes on fruit from the Spirit. Wow. It'll change your life. It'll change your life, but you got to live it. <laughs> okay. Um, I lost my finger <laughs> where I was at. Now we see you all speaking tongues, but even more that you have prophesied for greater seed than... Uh, the one who prophesies and the one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what does it profit you? It doesn't. Not if it's my my uh, internal expression of the Spirit. It doesn't profit you anything. Unless 
I come by way of revelation, which is kind of neat. <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking in the Spirit, and God is revealing to you exactly what it is. Or by knowledge, I'm speaking in the Spirit, and it's your home language. You know what's going on. Or it's prophecy, which requires interpretation. That's awesome stuff. Or I am speaking in tongues for the purpose of teaching. Those are the only those are the only rules. Those are the only valid expressions of tongues. When you see that there that there's this freedom. Ah, sorry, I wanted to use it this morning. Is this freedom of prayer in the Spirit? It's not some strained thing. Now, people who don't know the difference between the expression of the Spirit and the gift of the Spirit, man, you're in chains. You're absolutely in chains. I may have been in denominations for all that passed away. Yeah, it just, <laughs> it's sad. So, um, be zealous of the gifts. Seek to abound, to edify. In verse 13, it says, Therefore, <clears throat> let one who speaks in tongues pray that he interpret. And I, and I believe with all my heart that this is the gift of tongues. So, if we're in a congregation and we're in this environment where this this moving of the Spirit is greater and greater all the time. There's going to come on people with this external anointing, this, this gift of tongues to be interpreted. So when that, if that happens to you and you're yielded and you just give that, then you pray that you interpret. But you may not necessarily interpret because, again, we're a body. And God may choose to give an interpretation over here. And it's just good, good, good. Whatever, you know. <laughs> Therefore, let one who speaks, and the idea here is who speaks forth. Man, if you hear a brother over here talking in tongues, you know, don't get offended. He's got liberty. <laughs> he's in the congregation, amen. But he's not speaking forth. He's not putting forth a message. He's not causing all the calamity that these Corinthians have been causing by doing this. Pray that he may interpret. Now, if I pray in tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Again, that's the expression. Um, Paul says, I, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. But in the congregation, I'd rather speak five words with my mind, with my mind, so they may instruct others also, rather than ten thousand words in tongues. But we've got to do everything in decent, decently and in order. And the guy, guy in the pulpit says, "Let's right now just take three minutes and let's all pray in the spirit. That's decently and in order, isn't it?" Nobody's interpreting. We're not talking about the gift. Um, 
when you assemble, each has a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Let all things be done decently in order. And then in verse 32 of chapter 14, it says, The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And you understand that in this context, he's talking to this, these wild Corinthians. <laughs> and apparently there's been this idea, oh, if the spirit moves me and you're just going to shake and you're just going to, you know, Speaking tongues and you're just going to be outrageous. You're going to be crazy. And not been in a few of those meetings, but what he's saying is, your spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, this wonderful new birth that is full of exciting power inside of you, is subject to you. No. How can that be? How can that be? But it's true. Because God, the ultimate gentleman, would never overstep your will. That's why. You have to determine to receive. And then, of course, Paul more or less closes out the chapter by settling the whole thing and saying, forbid not to speak in tongues. Wow. Isn't that good? This is our life. This is our life in the Spirit. See, you can you can go to church and you can be part of an organization. You can have a service and you can go through the things and everything will be cool. <laughs> but in order to operate as an ecclesia or a congress or an assembly, which are political words, in order to legislate the kingdom in your neighborhood, you need the gifts. You can't do it without the gifts. That's why most denominations just have a preacher. He speaks. He gets up. He does his thing. Nobody contributes. Nobody. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because we don't, we don't need the Spirit if we're not doing anything, right? We're just having our little behind four walls thing here. I mean, we don't need the Spirit for that. Man. Well. So we've got to figure out how much we need the Holy Spirit because it, the job is so huge. If we can see the job, if we can see the kingdom, if we can see the task before us, we'll go, oh, I need the Holy Spirit. I, I need His assistance. I need His power. It's, it's that way with the new birth. I mean, if you don't know the foundation of the facts that you're lost and undone and that, that you are miserable and that you don't even have anything to contribute to the new birth, then you'll swallow something from religion. Something, something that sounds good, something or other about the cross there and Jesus and, you know. But it's so indefinite. Man, when you know you need the person. I mean, the Father did not send His Son to die that horrible death on the cross, that punishment in hell, to help you just a little bit. 
We understand that. We needed a world of help. And the same with our compadre, our paraclete, our after the new birth lifts us up out of the destiny of hell in order to operate in the kingdom. It's got to be the Spirit. Amen. We have Him. And it's so good to know that if you're in Christ, you're in the Spirit. Now, your flesh will try to testify to you other, otherwise. Oh, you know you failed this week. <laughs> you, know, you remember what you said. You remember what you done. Uh, am I making light of sin? No. But people who focus on and magnify sin as it happens in the outer court are belittling the blood of Christ. They belittle the new covenant. They don't think much of the worth of the Spirit. That's how we're just comparing them. Yeah, that's bad. Oh, man, don't engage that. That's bad. But this is so good. This is so much more than even what we need. He has oversupplied us in the Spirit. But we keep trying to work it out in the flesh. And we feel our worth is in our flesh. Eventually, if we stay in the Spirit long enough, we'll bear the fruit and we'll look at our flesh one day and go, Whoo, I don't do that anymore. But we have to lose consciousness of that. We have to be conscious of the greater one that's inside of us. Yes. And they're invited to you. And I do that all the time. I just don't know how to project it. Yes. And that's where I'm having this problem. But I was also reading that those that have that gift of speaking in tongues, that they don't have a mental illness. They're less mental illness than those people that have that gift. And I don't know where they find that. Well, the revelation that they began to speak with other tongues. The Holy Spirit didn't speak with other tongues. 
and because it's energized by the Spirit and it's your language because you're the one that has the authority in the earth. Only people with flesh have authority in the earth. When you think about that paradox, the flesh is your greatest obstacle and it's also your greatest asset. But you lose your flesh, you're done saying anything in the earth, amen? <laughs> so, um, so it's a matter of perspective. Uh, the blood was more than enough to make you worthy for this baptism, Holy Spirit. Uh, his love and His presence is the thing. But in order to activate in the kingdom, we also have to receive to be able to pray in the Spirit. It's a matter of your position in Christ who made you worthy. Father, I just I just ask for your work to bring us up on this new plateau. To have this foundation, this platform from which to have faith to be able to exercise the authority given to us to be able to say your words to be able to expedite your kingdom in a new level new level You can get some bad news this week. You can get some bad news last week. You can get some bad news next week. Whether it's financial or family or health. You're more than enough in Christ and you're seated above it. You're seated above it. Father, I pray for this congregation that we look down on these things. Because we're in Christ. Cancer, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You've got no place. No place. No place. We are the healed of the Lord. We are the deliverer of the Lord. She be gone. And I pray for our community. Pray against this insanity of dependence upon the government and the mindset of what society says. I thank you for a stirring here, a glory here, a power of the Spirit. And we'll get back to your word, your revelation, your anointing, because we so desperately need the Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen, amen, amen.
Amen. Amen. Oh, you're not my tail, see. Hallelujah. 